The women are coming. The women are coming. They're putting on hats, taping down their boobs, and hiding in plain sight to help America win its independence from Britain. Hip, hip, hurrah for Deborah Sampson, teacher, weaver, and the first female American soldier. This is History the Sequel. Ciara. Hello. You know, I have to be honest with you. This is a very selfish, you're a very selfish co-host. Okay. For me, choice for me today, because we're basically the same person. We were both born in Los Angeles, raised in the South until what age? 13. 13. And then I was there until 18, so a little bit older. And then we came right back to our homeland. Right back. Right back to the place where our heart belongs. Gladly. <laughs> Do you miss the South? Um, I miss the nature and... The people, to some extent. We have nature. I saw a condom on a sidewalk this morning. Really? Yeah. See, now, if it's in Hollywood, we don't really know what that what that was about. You <laughs> we, know, we no, don't want to. I, needs, do, I, I need, know exactly what that we story need is. pest control on that condom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, I, you miss playing outside and, like, having, like, yeah, general seasons. But and, I don't know what I would do there. I feel like I'd be so bored. But, did, did you ever go to the cyclorama? I've heard of that. Oh, so it is a whatever. I I feel like I don't want to give it more airtime, but it's a massive painting, okay. floor to ceiling. I think it's two, maybe two stories tall, and it's a circular thing that used to tour the South, and it told the Battle of Atlanta from the perspective of the people who, oh. you know, it's a it's a Gone with the Wind situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm shocked because I thought it, it it's it screams school trip. That place. I might have. I think the only school trip I remember is going to Rock Eagle. What? Which was a big mountain out there, and we took a tram across the. It was it was really scary. I tr- but it was I don't trust any infrastructure exactly in the South. over a mountain. Mm-mm. Very terrifying. But we also spent the night in a cabin as well. And was that fun or haunted? it was very fun? Okay. I, there's pictures of it in our yearbook, which I don't really appreciate because the way I, I dressed back then was not that cute. Which was um, my pajamas were faded neon stripes and a shirt. And then I had a scarf on because I didn't feel like being in the pictures, but I ended up in the yearbook anyways. So you look like like uh, Thelma and Louise? Yeah, okay. basically, but not as... Powerful? Powerful, yeah. More so just... <laughs> you, just ha- you just packed a scarf? I packed a scarf, yeah. Because I didn't want to be caught in the woods, you know? That's a true granny crazy. move. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I looked like a grandma. I absolutely did. That's not even a lie. What do you do in the summer times now that you're in California? Now... Recently, I graduated high school, so I'm out. Yes. Happily. So I was a part of this film program called Ghetto Film School, and we just went, my fabulous water bottle here, we went to Bad Robot, which is J.J. Abrams' company, got to speak with him, watch the first pilot episode of Lost, which was very interesting because I would have never done that without being forced to. So that did you was tell him cool. that you were like, I'm only doing this because I'm being forced I did. to do this. And it was scary. It was very scary because it was super loud. <laughs> but we got to lay back and eat some popcorn, which was pretty Wait, cool. Wait, he has like um, reclining chairs in his in the, screening room? In the screening room. Mm-hmm. And so, but why do you need to lay all the way back? Is it, does, it's not does, all the way. It was to an extent. And they're also, they had blankets on each chair, which was fabulous. But it was like they were preparing you to go to sleep. Yeah, but also like, when were those blankets washed? It, yeah, you just. I'm yeah. just saying, just, it's a male-run company. I don't know if how often the laundry's true. getting done. I mean, 
I love him. It is a very hipster place, though. Oh, I'm sure. No, he's got a look. He's got an office manager who's taking. Care of <laughs> he's not letting. He's not letting germ blankets absolutely grace the bodies of the of of the youth of America. Of youth. How was the what, what's what's the breakup or the breakdown in that group? In, is it mostly is it in get what, what's school? like gender like um for that they're really heavy on diversity because it started out in the Bronx um to for a bunch of kids that didn't have a place to go to have creative expression so then it went out to Los Angeles I think in 2000 something but um the makeup is mostly people of color they're not against they're open to everyone but oh mostly... I, I need another place for white people to be. <laughs> exactly <laughs> mostly people of color and I feel like it's a pretty was it good gender mix split. it's a oh, really good. good gender mix a, a lot of the kids like we did have a good mix of queer kids and people of color different things it felt like a very safe and the teachers as well teachers were all different ranges and different backgrounds that's which magnificent because you see yourself reflected and so do you what do you want to be where where what's your goal like what's your what's your end game here with with your life and your career, career and your post high school I would say I'm sort of boggling some ideas around like I always knew that I wanted to be within film but recently I've gotten more interested in music videos career wise I want to have that aspect of Music videos, maybe filmmaking, my photography, because I've been focusing on my photography a lot more now, and activism somehow. Just like social awareness. I wanna I wanna put that through with my work. It's all very easy to put all three of those things together. Mm-hmm. You're out of high school. Mm-hmm. Now looking back, and I know I don't want it to be triggering for you to because you just got out. But do you can you think just off the top of your heads of some influential women from history that you learned about in the California educational system? It was interesting because in normal history, I had some normal history, normal history, like world history and global history. Um, We didn't necessarily talk about women at all. Like I had one teacher that was very forward and making sure that like we talked about people of color and different things that was outside of just like civil rights, you know, like bringing in some information. But it was an extra step. So it wasn't something that was organic. But our school ended up getting approved um, that my one of my teachers fought really hard for to have a gender studies class for one semester and ethnic studies for one semester. And we watched this one documentary on this lady called Grace Lee Boggs. But she was really interesting because she was a part of the civil rights movement. She ended up marrying a black man. She's an Asian um, woman. And she was just super, super influential within the civil rights movement and um, different black history movements. And it was an interesting um point in time because people were like okay well she's not black but she's like an honorary black person because she's fighting for us and she's you know married to a black man and she's not she's just working and doing things that other people aren't able to do because of their skin color you know so it's like she had that outsider like she had access to the white world almost right yeah Mm -hmm. and who and this is and this is the first time i'm hearing of her yeah and especially when you consider that less than 11% of history textbooks even mention women, the amount of work that you would have to do to even know that you're being taught mm-hmm. in this very specific way and then figure out where these people are mm-hmm. is um, why we're doing this show. And especially you think, okay, so you think, okay, well, all right, the textbooks only have 11% um only mention women 11% of the time. Well, maybe you can just go outside and America can teach you with our historical uh, national landmarks. But you can't do that because only 5% of any national landmark in the USA celebrate women. Wow. Only 5%. History in this country is a 
man in a Celtics jersey, sitting in a butt sweat stained lazy boy, <laughs> yelling for someone to beer him. Absolutely. And we are here to fix that. Right. Ciara, are you ready to unerase a phenomenal woman from history? Absolutely. Back to a better time, America in 1760, mm-hmm. the, the year Donald Trump wishes we all could go back to, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. This country is in a full loving embrace with something called coverture. Do you know what this is? Have you heard of this before? Uh, I, I think slightly remember. Okay. Refresh. I'll refresh you. Well, let me actually let boring and probably dirty old-timey British lawyer William Blackston describe it. He wrote this snooze festival of a legal encyclopedia called The Commentaries on the Laws of England. And this is how he described coverture. He said, Coverture shall rip the rights of the woman away as soon as a ring is placed on her finger. She will not own property, sign legal documents, or get an education if her husband wants her to stay stupid. Men rule and women drool. Those, that, that's what I think it says. Mm. It's a lot of vows and thuses and a lot of cursive. Right. But that's the basic thing. Basically, when you become married, your identity has disappeared. You have been enveloped into your into your husband's identity All rights, any decisions that you would like to make, forget it. Mm -hmm. It's done. This is a legal doctrine. This is a law Mm -hmm. that is in place. So essentially, when you want to go to court to divorce your husband, the law asks your husband, would you like to allow this? (laughs) So it was into this world that Deborah Sampson was born, thrust from her mother's loins violently into a world that saw her gender and counted her as barely human. Deborah was born in the U.S. six days before Christmas, which is honestly a terrible time to be born. Right. Do you know anybody with a Christmas birthday? I do, and they complain about gifts all Because the time. they don't get any, right? They don't get any. And who comes to their birthday parties? No one. Because they're all their grandma's house in Toledo. Exactly. <laughs> if you are little Debbie Sampson, which is not a name that she deserves, but I'm going to call her little Debbie right okay. now. On top of all that, on top of this Christmas birthday, on top of being born in 1760, I mean, this is a time when like babies are bundled up in like flower sacks and your mom's pooping in a shed over a cesspool. Like it is, it is a terrible, stupid time to be alive. Plus, I'm pretty sure people were wearing bonnets back then, which mm-hmm. are truly, I mean, talk about, they're basically horse, uh, what are those horse, they're horse blinders for women. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, mm, I don't know why. It's have just, you ever worn a bonnet? Yeah. But I haven't worn. <laughs> I need more I'm from the South, oh, honey. Yeah. <laughs> they put a bonnet on you the uh, minute you go to minute, Easter, exactly. Easter Church. Exactly. Um, so Deborah's family was not poor, but they weren't rich. Mm-hmm. So when one day her dad went out for a pack of cigarellos and did not come back, her family life got super fucked. By the way, he went off and started another family, mm. like, you know, dudes do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So with no one bringing home the shillings, Ma Sampson had to get rid of her eight children, which is what you did back then. You just couldn't afford your kids. You Naturally. let her. So there was no CPS back then. There's no foster care. So Deborah Sampson, at eight years old, was given to a man called Deacon Benjamin Thomas to be his house servant. Okay. A grown-ass man purchased a child. Wow. And she helped to take care of Deacon Thomas's children. Were you? What were you doing when you were eight years old? Was it helping other children put on their clothes to go to school <laughs> and then staying home and scrubbing floor with lye? I think I was making um, 
little home movies with my American Girl dolls. So that's what you were doing at eight years old. Debbie Sampson, for 10 long years, worked in this house and on the Thomas's farm growing strong and smart and very, 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 very tall. And by very tall, I mean five foot eight by the time she was 16, which sounds short to you and me. Mm-hmm. But she was taller than most women and men at the time. Have you ever been to the, have you ever been to Philly? No. Okay, so in Philly, there's this place called Elfris Alley, which is a, a stupid name to say. Mm-hmm. Why would there be so so many vowels and consonants shoved into the first part of a word? <laughs> but so there's a it's a row house. It's a row of 32 houses built in the early 1700s. You basically have to get on your hands and knees to get inside because the door frames are so. It's basically a dollhouse. Okay. And that is where people used to live because they were so tiny. Mm. They were tiny people back then. Hmm. We've we've gotten considerably bigger. Um, probably because of GMOs. GMOs, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I would like to say, when a short person complains about reaching things, you let them know they've had their time. Right. Okay. They we'll had. Do. Th- this is not their time. They and had they their will t- kick my knee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Run away. <laughs> so at 18 years old, Big Deborah Sampson has worked off her indentured servitude because you know, white. Mm-hmm. She's white, mm-hmm. so she's like, "Oh, you're an adult now. Right. You can be free. Mm-hmm. She's free to go off." Do whatever she wants. Now, while she was a child slave, she taught herself how to read, how to write. She had enough know-how to become a teacher in the summer and then a weaver in the winter. Now, the weaver part is what we need to remember because this is where she, this is where she got a little light bulb over her head. Weaver as in like knitting clothes together? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like making fabric. Okay. Yeah. So Deborah's life skills came together when she started weaving. She came up with this scheme, and the Revolutionary War had just started. Just a refresher, the Revolutionary War was America's battle for independence from the tyranny of England, and one of the inciting incidents of the war was the Boston Tea Party, Mm -hmm. where a bunch of imported tea was dumped overboard in protest of unfair taxes. And that is why America is filled with so many Starbucks. Right. So Deborah's getting amped up, feeling her country pride during the Revolutionary War and doing some weaving, as we all know, making those rugs, making mm-hmm. those blankets, you know, doing her thing at a place called Sprout's Tavern, which would absolutely get a one star Yelp review if it was around mm-hmm. today based on that name alone. Mm-hmm. Sprouts. Sprouts. Do you want to hit ha- Sprouts? Not Sprouts. S P R O A T S. Sad. Like goats. Like Sprouts. <laughs> Sad. No, this is a perfect person's. This is a person's name. Someone had to walk around with this name all, all their life. <laughs> James Sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> so at Sprouts, all the dudes were coming in, getting tanked to talk about the Revolutionary War, getting mm-hmm. amped, you know, because there wasn't football or basketball then. This was their sports, right? right? And Deborah was listening in over her little rugs and going, I think I could do that. So she came up with this scheme. She was going to join the fight. Even though there was a big sign outside the American militia that says, boys only. Mm-hmm. But Deb Sampson don't give a fuck. She's not the kind of person who even, she she was a fucking child slave. Yeah. What she got to lose? What she got to lose? <laughs> she went right down to Mood Fabrics, got her a gorgeous wool navy drapey fabric, and sewed herself a little man outfit and enrolled as Timothy Thayer in Middleborough. But they were like, Deb? Mm-hmm. Deb Sampson? The Thomas's old child slave? Girl, you cannot be here. She was instantly kicked out. Then, oh, she also at this time hilariously got kicked out of her church. This is what the First Baptist Church of Middleborough said about her at this time. 
Last spring, she was accused of dressing in men's clothes and enlisting as a soldier in the army, and for some time before, had behaved very loose and unchristian-like. Very, very loose. Very loose and unchristian-like. And at least left our parts in a sudden manner, and it is not known where she has gone. Well, I'll tell you where she fucking went. She packed up her Party City outfit and walked 30 goddamn miles <laughs> to New Bedford and enlisted as Robert Shirtlift, which is hilarious because if you had lifted her shirt up, you would find out she was a woman. Exactly. So in May 1782, the Light Infantry Company of the 4th Massachusetts Infantry had a new private, and his name was Robert Shirtlift, a.k.a. Debbie, little Debbie Sampson. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not surprised that this worked. Have you ever seen the 1993 movie Summersby? No, but I was thinking of Mulan. Oh, <laughs> that's a better example. <laughs> well, okay. Okay, this is what I mean. People were dumb. It was a yeah. stupid time, okay? Mm-hmm. Mulan and Summersby are very different, but I'll explain Summersby and then you can tell me if you see any parallels. So basically, Jodie Foster, do you know who she is? I love Jodie Foster. Okay, great. She has been widowed. It's a it's six years after the Civil War. And then one day, her fucking husband shows up, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Richard Gere. But then Richard she Richard start- Gere. Yeah. Everything. Oh, really? You're a big He's, Richard Gere Oh, fan? no, no. I mean, like, he was in everything. Oh, forget it. You, like, for every young actress at the time. Julia Roberts, Winona. It's like, we don't we don't need to see Richard Gere. I know, but see, the thing is, it's like, he's a classic. They classic. keep getting, he, he keeps getting older, they stay the same age. Exactly. If you notice his age in all these movies, the women stay at the same. Yeah, that's, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a big that's problem. That's a different conversation. Which you're going to change in Hollywood. Absolutely. So he, so Richard Gere comes back after the war, but she's like, starts going like, oh, this guy's too nice to be my husband. Is this really my husband? And then she's like, hmm, why doesn't my husband's shoes fit anymore? But she doesn't care because he's like being nice and reading her stories and doing all these things that her husband doesn't do. So the whole town is like, we're not sure if you are who you believe, we believe you to be, and who are you, and all this stuff. How do you know? I know because I never loved him the way that I love you. Anyway, the point is he he gets murdered at the end. But that that's a spoiler alert, and you're never going to watch it. And if you want to watch it and you haven't, I really, I don't, you've had so much time. You've had, you've had literally two decades to watch this fucking movie. So you can see how Deborah Sampson snuck right in. Also, she was built for this kind of maneuver. She was tall. She was flat-chested. She was strong. And from what I can tell, most of these guys back then look like Elijah Wood. So she right. probably was the rock compared to these mm-hmm. dudes, mm-hmm. you know, coming in there just full <laughs> just s- swole. Swole. <laughs> coming in swole. swole. <laughs> so she takes her boys don't cry boobs and her muscles and her sass and she becomes a superior soldier. And she fights for years without being found out. Wow. She did have some close calls, though. One day she ran into another unit headed by... Colonel Ebenezer Sprout, good old owner of Sprout Tavern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she was sweating it. She was, mm-hmm. you know, sweating in her britches, but he never found out. He never recognized her, which I do think has to, this is a, this is a side theory. I do think that has to do with the idea that maybe he didn't want to sleep with her. Because mm-hmm. I feel like guys don't remember you unless they want to sleep with you. It's true. So- if she, so, maybe she had this um, this thing where guys were like, "Oh, she's too, she's bigger than me. She's right. a monster lady, much smaller than me." <laughs> I don't. I'm not attracted to swole women. Swole. <laughs> <laughs> so another time, Deb Sampson was sliced in the forehead by a sword. A situation we've Ooh. all been in, not discovered. 
Then she was shot in her left thigh, and when her fellow soldiers tried to take her to the hospital, she was like, I'm fine! Yeah. Leave me alone! (laughs) Then she took a fucking knife and dug the shrapnel out of her leg by herself. Which I don't think is actually that surprising for a woman, because if you see us go to town on our eyebrows with with a tweezer, (laughs) and how much we like to pop zits, it just makes sense. Yeah. Another time she was fixing her uniform and some dude was like, uh, you sure do so good. And she was like, oh, uh, well, uh, well, uh, uh. And then she concocted this story where she said she was the youngest of all boys and someone had to do the sewing, which worked. So sometimes when you are subverting the patriarchy this fucking hard, Mm -hmm. you have to use people's sexism to protect your agenda. Yeah. I'm also wondering why they couldn't tell. Like, I wish I could hear her, you know? So, are people but really But listen that to my dumb? voice. I know. I have a pretty deep, resonating voice as well. Like, I, if I... For, okay. Let me just... Here's Erin Gibson. <laughs> female uh, f- female voice. Number and one. then if I just did this. Mm-hmm. Well, that still sounds like a woman, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then in Philly, after all, this, all th- after all these close calls, she got a goddamn fever and passed out. While she was doing desk duty. After all this. So while she was passed out, this attending doctor, Barnabas Binney. I hate the names back then. I mean, it's truly like open a circus, bro. So weird. So Barnabas Binney went to check her heart and was like, uh, (laughs) these are boobies under this bandeau top. All right. What do you think Dr. Barnabas Binney did when he found out that she was a woman? Um, I mean, I guess the logical thing would be that he reported her. But at the same time. He might be very confused. I don't. I actually have no idea because anyone named Barnabas, like, I already know what he looks Wild like. Card. And what are you gonna do? Like, yeah. what do you, you could fight. Like, you could fight. You could take him down. So she could fight him. You could take down a. Barnabas. You could take down a Barnabas. Yeah. I really hope no one, no one's grandfather, like that's someone's grandfather. I feel like Barnabas, the name is now gonna start being the new baby. It's Probably. gonna be the new Bentley, oh. the new baby name. You know what I mean? Bentley's way better than Barnabas. Well, here's what he did, which absolutely surprised me. He protected her. He brought Mm. her back to his house to have his wife and daughters care for her. Now, here's where it gets complicated in my mind, because this is not really talked about in the history of her, but it is, to me, sort of logical. She have his baby? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You went straight up soap opera. (laughs) You took a left turn straight to Days of Our Lives. No, her, okay, it's even, yes, it is It is soap opera in a way mm-hmm. that you might not see coming. So she is sitting at their, at his house, daughter's wife and his the dad? niece. The dad? Wait, okay. Oh, wait, keep Let guessing. Just, no, you me, keep guessing. What do you think? Didn't you say at the beginning that her dad was not in the picture or what, what was the thing? Yeah, yeah, keep, no, keep going. Because. Yeah, her dad left and started a new okay, family. Okay, so my, my thing is, is that he was like. That's my daughter. Took her in, had some suspicions, and then something something happened along those lines. I'm I'm thinking. While I think it is plausible for a man who uh, owns a bunch of land and is a farmer to just go off to the city and become a doctor and no one questions it, mm-hmm. and then starts a new family, that's not what happened. But I love that. St- I love the story of like it's my daughter. <laughs> it's my daughter who I left. That would be the movie version. Oh, I suddenly care. Mm-hmm. So what happened was even seedier than that. So Deb Sam, big old Deb Sampson, 
big old grown up Deb Deb Sanson knows who she is sitting in this sitting in this bed. I don't know with like lace curtains or whatever mm-hmm. they did back then. All of a sudden, Doctor Barnabas Benny. <laughs> His niece comes up and she goes, well, 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 who's this handsome lad we have here? And falls in love with Deborah. Uh, but here's the thing. Okay, you know how there's a theory that I have two theories. Number one. Okay. You know how there's this theory about why the Beatles and Justin Bieber and New Kids and they all have crazy young female fans? Uh, I do not. It's because they're not threatening. Like you never mm. see a eight-year-old girl who's like, I love Michael Chiklis. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so that could be a reason that Dr. Benny's niece fell in love with Deborah, mm-hmm. Or maybe she fell in love with Deborah because they were both into women. Yeah. I think there's a weird history that, I mean, I don't want to out somebody. Did know that she was not a man? Again, it was a stupid time, so I don't know. But here's what did happen. Because the niece fell in love with Deb Sampson, the family was like, oh, no, we can't have this happen. Mm-hmm. So then her gender was exposed. Mm. So her gender was exposed because of this, not because she was a woman fighting in the world, which war, which was not legal, not because she was in a, um, had been admitted to a male hospital, which I'm sure there's some weird rule about that, but because a woman had fallen in love with her mm. and either to protect this niece from whatever heartache or because it was homophobia right. or whatever, she was... Her the jig was up, mm-hmm. and I think this is interesting because, and again, of course, there's not history on this. This is me just extrapolating, but there's this idea that like lesbians didn't exist until right. like wizards brought them to life in mm-hmm. the 30s in Berlin. Mm-hmm. But there, this this just reeks a little bit to me of Gentleman Jack. So anyway, her the ruse is up. She's been exposed, and uh, the doctor tells. The gen- her general, like, this is what happened. Like, there has been a lady here the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you would think that she'd be punished. But the general, her boss, was tickled by the deception. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they were riding high on winning the winning the war and their independence. So mm-hmm. they were a little less, uh, they were a little more lenient about her being involved. So she was given an honorable discharge, which truly meant Dick Squidly back then. Right. It was like a little pat on the head, like, mm, you did a good job. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So what happened then? Deborah Warrior Princess went back home to live with her mom and decided, hey, man, I like pants and I like jackets and I like button downs. I'm going to dress like this all the time. This is way more comfortable and I don't have to wear a fucking corset. Right. And I can sit in a goddamn chair like a human being. And my dress isn't flammable and it's not a fucking living cough. You know that dresses used to catch fire all the like. Thousands of women would die a year because their dresses were flammable. Also, because it's so much, you for can't no escape it, and it's you're you're locked into that yeah, prison. Yeah, women would burn alive. That's terrible. Well, they used to. Di- this is more in the 1800s, but they used to dye green dresses were dyed with arsenic, which is highly flammable. Yeah, yeah. America. Anyway, MAGA. Um, so <laughs> she so she was dressing like a man with her mom, and her mom was like, I don't like you dressing like a man. And she was like, uh, I don't like you giving your kids away as slaves. So I guess we both have problems right. with each other, mom. Mm-hmm. So then she went on to live with her aunt, Alice, who thought she was her nephew. Again, dumb time. Also, how, like, like send a card. Send a birthday card. Keep in touch. You yeah. know what I mean? Families need to stick together. So if you're just like the strangers, it's a it's a full Summersby situation. Yeah. Stepping up on Auntie Alice's doorstep being like, I'm whoever you think I am. <laughs> 
So it was while she was at her Aunt Alice's where she met Benjamin Gannett, who she eventually married. Now, it's interesting. When she met this guy, she started dressing femme again and became engaged to him, married to him, at which point, in my opinion, her life got normal and sad. So after everything that she had done for this country, the fighting, the um, deception, everything that she had done, she was just married with kids, living a very married with children and living a very, very poor existence. So this was 1785. She, um, you know, is living on the, like on the cusp of existence, barely, barely making it. But she wasn't done fighting at this point. She marched right up to the Massachusetts state legislature for the back pay the army had denied her when they found out she was a woman. So basically, when you got out of the war, you got some, you got a pension for fighting. She did not get that because she was a woman. She broke the rules. They were like, good job. Thank you so much. Be off with yourself with no money. Mm-hmm. Which is when Paul Revere steps in. Who knew this, who knew this guy was a well, whatever. (laughs) He's both good and bad. He was on her side, sort of. He wrote to Congress and said this. I have been introduced to inquire her situation and character since she quit the male habit and soldier's uniform for the most decent apparel of her own sex and obliges me to say that every person with whom I have conversed about her, and it is not a few, speak of her as a woman! with handsome talents, good morals, a dutiful wife, and an affectionate parent. So essentially, he was like, hey, yo, uh, state of Massachusetts, you should give her the pension she owns because yeah, 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 she deceived the United States Army. But she's handsome. Now she's being a lady again. Mm -hmm. And she's not doing all that weird stuff where she's wearing pants. Mm -hmm. She's she's wearing wearing death dresses. Mm -hmm. So let's give her her money. It's a weird thing of like, so she stopped dressing and acting like a man, so she should be recognized for doing a man's job now. So when Paul Revere got involved, this actually worked, and they had the Massachusetts legislature had this to say about Deb Sampson when they granted her pension and back pay. They said, Deborah Sampson exhibited an extraordinary instance of feminine heroism by discharging the duties of a faithful, gallant soldier, and at the same time preserving the virtue and chastity of her sex, unsuspected and unblemished, and was discharged from the service with a fair and honorable character. So essentially, they were saying that I don't even fucking understand what they're saying. They're basically saying like, because she wasn't a woman presenting as a woman, she was presenting as a man. And she did that to the best of her chameleon abilities while not fucking a bunch of dudes. Right. Then she should be given this back pay. Hmm. So she was the first female soldier to receive a pension from the United States government for her service in the Revolutionary War. A war that fought for the freedom of white straight men in America. And that is it. Mm Mm-hmm. When John Adams was away working on our new constitution after we had, we, after they had won their independence, his wife, Abigail Adams, wrote to him saying, I desire you would remember the ladies, you know about this, and be more generous and favorable to them than your ancestors. And she was writing specifically, not about voting rights, not about anything in particular, but release from coverture Mm -hmm. so that they can be independent of their husband. And John Adams responded, do you know what he said? I can't but laugh. 
He 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 ha 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 emojied at her through he a letter. He subtweeted her. He t- <laughs> <laughs> He was the first thumbs down the on her YouTube. Thumbs down, yeah. yeah. But wow. You know what's not fucking funny, John Adams? Are the countless women like Deb Sampson and the slaves who fought in the Revolutionary War only to earn the right to stay in the same shitty position they were in before, used as human stools so that white men could step on their necks to create their own government that continued to do to us what Britain was doing to America? So remember, it's only Independence Day for you if you won that very thing after the war. So thank you very much. On July 4th, I will drink a bottle of rosé and watch Soap Dish because Mm -hmm. it's just another day to me. Now, Ciara, (laughs) I want to run through some teen scenarios that you might... And I know you're like... Are you 19 or 20? I'm 18, but 40 at heart. Okay. (laughs) I want to run through some teen scenarios that you might find yourself in every day, just teen life. Okay. And I have some responses for you to help educate your peers on Deb Sampson. Are you ready? Let's do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're at a Billie Eilish concert and you have to pee, but the women's restroom line is too long. You head to the men's room and one guy is like, hey, you can't be in here. So you say, dude, if Deborah Sampson had listened to that noise, Governor Dukakis would have never made her the official heroine of the state of Massachusetts. And if I'm in that room, I'll go, did you know Mike Dukakis and Olympia Dukakis are brother and sister? I know that means nothing to you. Okay. So friends. You're watching Friends, the one where Joey wears all of Chandler's clothes. Yes. Your friend Talbot is not laughing, does not think it's funny. Here's what you say to them. Clothes are powerful, and didn't Deborah Sampson know it when she used clothing to conceal her gender and fight courageously in the Revolutionary War? Nailed it. Okay. Your friend won't shut up about Cole Sprouse, his hair, his eyes, his wrists, his ear curves, all of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is what you say. Did you mean to say Cole Sprouts, distant relative of the man who owned the pub that the first female combat soldier, Deborah Sampson, used to weave in? Thank you so much. That was <laughs> truly so authoritative. Thank you, CR, for lending your mind, your talent, your pro- progress, your vision, and your, I don't know, what else you got to offer? A lot. Fashion sense? Yeah. Your, your, your eye? Your eye for beauty? <sighs> Yes. Thank you for lending. And also my great advice. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thank you. History the Sequel is built on the backs of amazing dead women who created the opportunities you have today. Researched by Alex Everhart at Alex Icon Devil if you want to follow. Produced by Cody Fisher. Edited and engineered by Sam Kiefer. And hosted by Aaron and Ciara. If you want to follow Ciara, you can follow her on Instagram at C-I-A-R-A dot Z-O. Follow us at History the Sequel. I am proud as a woman who's been called to serve both uh, as a veteran and then also uh, as a public servant when I worked in the Pentagon and then continuing an advocacy here to shine a light on women like myself and the other ladies who are standing behind me from the VSOs and from IAVA who stand here to say we are Deborah Sampson. We no longer have to wear a costume in order to serve. We can show our service and we can wear it very proudly on our lapel. Thank you. I'll see y'all around.